coming to you live from inside the globe, perched high atop the Bugle Planet building in sunny Gotham City. It's Hey Kids Comics with two guys who are always ready to seduce the innocent, your hosts, Andrew Farmer and the Jedi Cole Houston. And now it's time for Hey Kids Comics. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to Hey Kids Comics issue 333350. It's air horns. I don't know what that was. Did you? That was our ship coming oh, in. Oh, is that our ship? 350. Okay, okay. All right. The fog's, the fog's rolling in yeah, on uh, old, old London town as we... The funny thing is it's John Carpenter's The Fog. Oh, God, don't do that. Don't do that. I'll have nightmares. Don't start talking about that. Uh, maybe I won't, because Adrian Barbeau's in it. And uh, uh, Adrian Barbeau. Back in the day when... God, it was like Adrian Barbeau, Barbie Benton... Uh, Jamie Lee Curtis. Don't forget. Yeah. No? How how could one? Yeah. Back in the day when your, when your uh, protagonist could be a mid-40s paunchy... <laughs> balding man god i've missed the 80s so much you didn't need you didn't need like the marvel diet to become a, a leading man in a movie you didn't need to be a, a a chris or a ryan you could be you could be 42 with a receding hairline and about 20 pounds overweight and man hollywood would eat you up oh yeah oh, i miss those days when you're when when the i think were you on the show we talked I, I it had to have been on uh it had to have been on USG when we were talking about how heroes in that day could just look like your dad and get away with it. Like, oh, yeah. It's almost like Austin Powers, you know. In the 60s, in England, you could have bad teeth and still be sexy. Yeah, right. <laughs> but that's not – we're not here to talk about action – overweight action heroes of the 80s, though maybe we should be. Um, tonight – uh, this is an episode. Okay, so Cole, you've been listening to. You're up to how many hundred? I'm uh, uh, like 116, I think, is Holy the one that I finished today. 115, uh, 116, something like that. Old episodes of Hey Kids Comics. Um, when did we start talking about Marvelution on this show? We were well past a hundred. I know okay. that much with certainty. I don't have all of the notes to hand so i'm gonna to have to uh do my promised memoir for this issue uh, off the top of my head and not to you know toot my own horn here but between the two of us i mean both of us will like fart out statements <laughs> sure in real time that are insane yes. and one that just blew me away we were talking about Batman, as we are often want to do, and and I think for some, I, I forget what it was, but we're talking about the uh, the Batman Bruce Wayne arrangement, as it were, and I just out of the blue, I'm saying Batman or uh, Bruce Wayne is potential energy, Batman is kinetic energy. Yes, I'm like, what the hell? <laughs> said this i actually kind of remember Honestly, that statement i just going back and listening to a hundred plus issues of this show it's just oh 
I'm mildly re- I, I that sparks something in my brain where I remember it at least a little bit. And then I, I God, I wish I had my notes to hand because I pinpointed when Muggerville arrived. Oh, nice. Angelo, I don't know if I mentioned this on the prior uh, issue, but Angelo was there almost, if not from the first issue, like the second. I think he, he and Old Hollywood were there from the very beginning. Definitely characters that we came up with very early. Uh, oh, yes. And they both endure to this day. Um, I actually today, just today, listened to the first time that I invoked the very bombastic historian from uh, Ken Burns. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, God. Like, holy crap, I'd forgotten I did that one. Uh, and then uh, in Muggerville on our uh, Bird is the Word. Yes. Uh, I, that was our Thanksgiving episode yes. in 2015. I love that. Or 2014. Yeah, I think it was 2015. Uh, that uh, they... Um, we we did the you know the all birds you know bird related bird names bird costumes bird everything right and we each had created a character for the Muggerville Seven I'd forgotten that both of us had and I'd forgotten that was when this happened and that was of course the infamous Turducken yes and you had come and Turducken if you're not familiar was is like Angel. But if he has, like, in the center of his back, a full-size pair of chicken wings with feathers and everything, you know, fully realized wings of a chicken, atop the fully realized wings of a duck, atop the fully realized wings of a turkey. Right. And because he has three sets of wings that all have different flight patterns to them uh, or in, inability to fly patterns, <laughs> 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 a low circular sort of pattern uh and andy uh brilliantly creates a character who is a an office worker by day office worker by night <laughs> bird 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 <laughs> so that, that was a few things i'm gonna put in for this issue because they're just like fresh on my mind one from the distant past one from the more bird, recent. bird i love bird bird uh, I miss. I remember Bird Bird. Uh, you know what's funny is you bring up that episode that we recorded that feels in my brain like we did it two weeks ago and I just forgot about it. Like it's a really weird, like psychological thing. I feel like we just recorded that episode and it was. Oh wow! Yeah, it was, was two hundred like or two hundred forty. But yeah, episodes I'm, I'm, ago. I'm nearly a third of the way in, and to my delight and 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 great thrill and happiness i found a jcu page where i preserved all 10 episodes of hey kids comics live because i'm in the period where we had got up to hey kids comics live number three we oh, were just nice. heady we were making announcements early on where it was like you can watch us live forever because i was prepared to finance that show yeah yeah until the end of time and we had a blast. Uh, oh, Andy so got to be with us for nine months while he was living in Texas. And the tenth and final episode was myself, Catherine, and my brother Clay. And I'd forgotten Clay was on that. So. I remembered Clay was there only because it, like, you know, I couldn't be there. So that really stands out in my mind. But for so for Cole's going back and doing the Lord's work. But for at least two hundred, I would say issues, we've been promising a show on this topic, and. Uh, 
at least tangentially on this topic, and we have danced with this many times. We have we have done the, uh, the we have danced with the devil in the pale moonlight with this topic a great many times, and um, something happened this week in the comic industry that we said, okay, this is the 350th episode of our show. Um, this is too big to not discuss, um, and they dovetail so nicely together. Um, and we, I guess nicely isn't the right word, but they dovetail no, so they do horribly, dovetail. Uh, horribly I mean, together. If, for, if you were a carpenter, you'd say, that's that's a nice dovetail. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. If you were a dove, you would say that's a nice dovetail. <laughs> if you were because an orangutan, you yeah, would say, uh, what's uh, a dovetail? Yeah, they would be like, I have no idea because I'm from um, Asia. Predominantly Asia. I've never seen doves. I don't know Perhaps what doves. My captive relatives may have seen doves. Right, Dunstan from the Dunstan checks in movie has certainly seen doves. <laughs> I don't. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure, seen some doves. Um, what happened this week is DC Comics dropped a bombshell and blindsided. Apparently, now a lot of this information is still coming in. We're still shaking it out, so. Um, but apparently blindsided the comics retail industry, just left fielded the comics retail industry, announcing that they are ending their partnership with Diamond Comics Distributors, um, which has been, God, how long would you say? I don't 25 know. 25 years since, I believe 25 years since Marvolution, easily. Yeah, it would okay. have to be. They, it's often referred to in print as... In fact, DC themselves refer to this as their quote-unquote 25-year relationship with Diamond. Uh, the reality is that DC's had a relationship with Diamond Comics a lot longer. They have only had their relationship with the current incarnation of Diamond for about 25 years. Right. So announce this shockwaves through the industry because, you know, Diamond is the the – um, I, I guess I I, I want to call it a, a monopoly by accident, or I guess by spoils of war. Um, a very much an accidental monopoly. In fact, I had to take considerable issue with um, an article that I read uh, recently that was like talking about DC just busted up comics' biggest yeah uh, monopoly monopoly, and and they go on to talk about. In fact such a monopoly the justice department investigated them in 1999 and, and something like it was that. 1997 and by 2002 they dismissed the case because they could find no wrongdoing so way to go guys yeah and the thing is while granted the article does mention that no wrongdoing was found it creates the illusion uh yeah it, well it creates the illusion of wrongdoing yeah. it's a straw man yeah. argument right like Exactly. It was. It, if you're unfamiliar, it sounds like, you know, through some vile machinations, Diamond Comic Distributors managed to create a monopoly that even the Justice Department. Um, right. Well, they brought Capone down on tax charges. Like, it's one of those. Yeah. Like, come on. What happened was they... And Cole will be able to speak to this better than I can, but it seems to me in knowing Diamond, you know, 
tangentially, I've never been, you know, uh, at, you know, a part of Diamond, but knowing t- Diamond tangentially and through the industry, as long as I have, they kind of Forrest Gumped their way into a monopoly. <laughs> well, the thing is, as I say, they became an accidental monopoly by virtue of Marvel Comics. Yes. Marvel Comics at that period in time was trying to control every aspect of their product. They owned a paper mill to print their comics on. They owned a toy company to make their quote-unquote licensed uh, toys. They owned a trading card company to make their quote-unquote licensed trading non-sport cards. I mean, it was to the point where I think they were eyeballing a paper mill or a, uh, you know, they were probably eyeballing deciduous forests. Right. They were making deals with this Amazon uh, landholders to... The thing is that this created an opportunity that they saw. They, the, the only thing they were missing was distribution. I think they actually, I have, I've speculated that they actually dreamed of a time, because this is a period, you have to understand when like there was a, uh, uh, Disney had a store, Starlog had a store, and the Disney stores weren't like they are today. But unlike Marvel, I think Marvel wanted a store envisioned having stores where that's where you got your comics, not realizing there weren't Disney stores in every city in America, but at the time there were damn near comic shops, even out in the middle of nowhere. Oh yeah. Everybody, everybody had a comic shop in their town. You could go to big Ed's gas farm and get your monthly comics. Well, I can tell you out in the middle of Ohio boonies where there shouldn't be anything, there would be comic shops. Any place that had a a stoplight and and a block in any (laughs) direction of like, you know, historical landmark buildings had a had a comic shop in it somewhere. Oh, yes, absolutely. And I think that's one thing Marvel didn't understand. So Marvelution comes along. At the time, I was working for Diamond. And just to walk in the door, as a retailer, big or small, your bare-ass minimum was $600 a month in per, at retail. In, in orders. In, in orders, yeah. At retail or oh God, what was the term? There was a term for stuff that like toys and statues and stuff. Uh, what was it? it? It hardly matters. But, you know, a combination of, you know, there was like a net, yeah, net price for some stuff. It was like the wholesale price that was immovable. And then there was the retail price of the comics, magazines, etc., from which a discount would be taken. Okay. And your your bare-ass minimum discount was 40%, which sounds like a lot, but it isn't considering that I think it went up to 525 or 55% if you ordered like a crap ton a month. But $600 a month is a lot of burden because every single month you had to meet that minimum, or you could not do business with Diamond. Right, right. And we did that for two years, or actually more than two years, for about four years. Yeah, you guys years. did it personally. Yeah. Not only after, did you work after from we, within, you worked from without. Yeah, once uh, we were no longer with Diamond, we uh, a couple of years later, we opened a piece of the Action Collectibles. And we were doing – I always joke that I used to work for them. Now they're working for me. Right. Well, and I think what's – But what happened I, – I think I need to touch upon Marvelution because Marvel all of a sudden decides – Well, I'd rather you didn't just touch upon it. Let's let's run it down Yeah, let's, let's run it down because at it's the time – an incredibly interesting – Story yeah, but, to hear, especially from the inside. And if you're, if you want to know a, an in-depth personal 
granted, you know, a one-sided personal view history that because I had a lot of exposure, we were there when this happened, as it were. Uh, on the Jedi Cole universe, uh, if you just Google uh, Jedi Cole Marvolution, the shot heard round the comic industry. This was an article I wrote way back in 2011. Good God, that was a long time ago. Right. Because I had to voice something. I was at the time I could not find any information on the internet about Marvolution, and at the time this was the only uh, serious work about this phenomenon and um they uh I, I just had to get that off my chest you know but uh check that out if you want even more info but essentially the the model for distribution at the time was the the publishers especially the major ones and a lot of the minor ones were um you know they would publish their print runs various distributors would buy allotments of those of said print runs and there would be a small overage usually just to accommodate damage and um, unforeseen demand. But mostly the orders coming in uh, and orders were placed as they are today about three months in advance. So the publishers would know how much to print when they got that far. Um, but essentially prior to the direct market, everything was put out like magazines and such in uh, grocery stores by rack jobbers who would then take back everything that was unsold uh, because all of those magazines that go unsold are part of a larger circulation model right. that they present to advertisers. So even if that shit never gets sold, it was circulated. Let's get back to rack jobbing. Yeah. Yeah, really. Um, but, the, you know, it was hard to get rack jobber. You, you couldn't just like go to a rack jobber and say, all I want is the comics. And so it was very difficult. The direct market was born to answer the, the rise of the comic shop. And um, Steve Jeppe, as a comic shop owner, uh, was uh, a little disappointed with the whole process. So he created his own distribution company. And others did likewise all over the nation. And there were five or six huge ones and tons of little regionals right and so you know you had this pulsing entity going on all over the place um they you know as a retailer you had a choice you go to diamond or friendly franks or capital city in fact when we were working for diamond there was some company that had this ad campaign there's a place for businesses like yours and somebody cut that off and just wrote in the blank space, Friendly Franks. <laughs> but uh, the, the thing about it was that when, you know, if you went to Friendly Franks or any of these others, you had that same basic minimums, and then you had tiered levels that gave you greater discounts, etc. They were all pretty much the same thing. It just depends on who pissed you off the least. Right. And yes. believe me, we pissed people off and they went to Frank or to Capital City. And we got a ton of people from Friendly Franks and Capital City over the years that I was there because I was in customer service. And uh, we, uh, you know, I saw a lot of that come and go. But, but the bottom line was this was a workable model that had competition and everything. Marvel decides to pull themselves out of this collective pool. Yeah, it's the 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 way it, it's like a it's like a mob movie or a drug kingpin movie. 
where, you know, the guy who's selling all the drugs decides they're going to cut out the middleman and, and get it straight from the source and deliver it straight to the people. Almost. Exactly. Uh, yeah, it's like a Mr. Kananga-esque. Yes, yes. You know, this is like a Bond villain all of a sudden. Because Marvel decides, well, we can distribute our own stuff. Yeah, why are we paying so, this this 3PL company to distribute our crap for us exactly. when we're Marvel? Let's, let's cut out the middle middleman. Mm-hmm. Well, the problem is that suddenly you are still faced with, I think it dropped to maybe $500 a month from Diamond. Is this and after then, Marvel pulled out? Yeah, or? this is when Marvel created Heroes World. They, they right. bought basically a distribution company called Heroes World and expanded it. Um, they thought they knew what they were doing. I, I think I'm, I probably touch on this in Marvelution uh, article. That um, we, we knew people, former Diamond people. In fact, their entire Dallas area staff was former Diamond people. They had a, they ran their entire operation with three people. The other side did. Well, the Heroes World Texas. Yes, yes. I understand that other Heroes World had unwieldy staffs of like fifteen or eighteen people, and they were all doing roughly the same volume. So you know that money pit notwithstanding the big problem was that the burden was put on comic shop owners and um that burden was suddenly they had to meet two different minimums yes because none of them could do without marvel and marvel damn well knew it but then another thing happened this was like literally overnight marvel got sued by a lot of the distributors because it was it was a breach of contract for them to pull out like that Right. They're like, so what? We'll pay you off and be done with you. Friendly Franks, Capital City, all these different companies went out of business. Um, and also, because DC looked at what Marvel was doing, Image looked at what Marvel was doing, they said, that's the stupidest thing in the world. Right. So right. both of them said, okay, look, we can't do it the old way anymore. We can't sell you our – can't sell one company our print run. And hope that works. So what we're going to do is instead, we will maintain ownership of all of our comics. You will be our distributor for a fee. And this is something a lot of people don't know when they piss and moan about how their comic shop is uh, under the thumb of this giant monopoly. As a company, Diamond took a tremendous pay cut, as it were, a profit cut. Because they were no longer making a profit off the little guys who were getting only a 40% discount. They were now just simply being paid a, a finder's fee, okay, or a, you know a contract fee for going to the trouble of distributing these books physically. They were doing. They were literally doing three PL work. They were boxing and shipping at that point. Exactly. And at the time uh, when I started with Diamond, there were a ton of locations all over the nation, and even two in Europe. And then they started whittling them back. There was a small cutback. Then there was a huge cutback, which made Dallas suddenly the smallest. And I told our boss, I said, go outside and paint a target. We're next. Yeah. And we survived till Marvolution. Then we became redundant. So Marvolution cut Diamond's distribution centers, which were already whittled back uh, by yet another third. Something else people don't realize. Diamond suffered for Marvolution. Right. Everybody suffered for the hubris that is Marvelution. And then, of course, all of the small press followed DC and Image because they 
knew which way the wind was blowing. Everybody knew that Heroes World would fail except Marvel. Well, and Marvel at that point, like you said, right? Marvel, Marvel's idea was we don't know how to do all this crap. We're going to hire people that do know how to do this stuff and hope that we can trust those people not to have pulled the wool over our eyes or take advantage of us because we have the money to be able to do something like that. So exactly. They, so they did get into the card game and they got into the, into the action figure collect, you know, like, like a uh, mass market toy game. And they got into the, you know, the, the Avi Arid period of the TV show game where they were trying to control all their own shit on TV and in the movies. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and, and the whole impetus was, yeah, we don't know, you know, the, 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 the chairman, you know, the, our, our, our board of directors. Yeah. They don't know how to do this shit, but we're going to hire the people that do. Well, now you've got so many cooks in the kitchen <laughs> that who that you know the left hand can't know what the right hand is doing oh exactly well and the thing about it is you know all the small press of course then contracted with diamond but it changed the dynamic of the direct market forever there was no going back because so many companies went bankrupt as a result and the other thing that happened and this is something else that people don't understand this isn't diamonds doing this is a direct result of marvelution is that the nature of the beast had to change heroes world wouldn't do business with sub distributors if you weren't selling it you know taking it from them to the end customer they wouldn't do business with you well at the time sub distribution was huge Thousands and thousands because of dollars in sub-distribution money was pulsing through every single distributor because you'd get one guy who had the dough right. to run his comic shop and then sell two copies, five copies to uh, mom and pop and to Bubba. And you would need a consortium in order to afford to be able to sell comic books. You would need a group of you would need a group of people saying we're willing to buy three issues from you, a little over premium, so that you can buy from Diamond or you can buy from Heroes World and keep and we can stay in business that way on our you know, on our back issues, but we still have the current stuff at least out on the floor. Exactly. And, you know, when the sub distributors, most of them couldn't do well, they certainly couldn't continue to buy in the volume that they were buying if that was now disallowed. And of course DC and Image created their contracts with Diamond as a, you know, basically using that model. So that gutted a huge part of the industry. So tons and tons of little comic shops, those guys on every street corner uh, with, uh, you know, that had a traffic light and a crossroads right. were gone. Right. Well, that's uh, when you started seeing these comic shops start carrying magic cards and Pokemon exactly. cards and uh, it, a lot of them had sports cards. A lot of them yeah. already were running the sports cards, but you started seeing, you know, games and, um, and other collectibles and movies and paperback books and just all it, it, it took it, it diluted the idea of a comic shop and what it actually meant. And it was, and, and I will stand by the fact that it's Marvel's fault for that. I'm not saying it wouldn't have happened eventually on its own. Yeah you know, through, through attrition or whatever it might be. But the reason it happened right then 
and and a lot of your local comic book shops that that the owners were so passionate about running because they loved that they they loved the they loved the industry they loved the art is because Marvel decided that that you know Honey Boo Boo could do it themselves and um, screwed so many people over doing it exactly and. So this was a massive ripple effect, and I think that's one of the things I really wanted to address as we look at DC's present actions. Oh, yeah, yeah. But you have to understand that this is history repeating itself in a vastly different way, and you can, you know, look at DC as this uh, – what's bothering me is the perception of DC as the David to Diamond's Goliath. Well, you're getting both sides Right. Yeah, the reality is that giant uh, Japanese gargantuan's film. <laughs> yes. Where the two big hairy mega Bigfoots uh, start wrestling each other all over Tokyo, going chirp, chirp. <laughs> well, and and what's what really the thing that really pisses me off about this is that it's done under the guise. So we all know that you know Warner Brothers picked up DC what ten years ago. The, the the actual comics division of DC, um, and all of a sudden they were they were they were flush with cash, right? Yeah. They had all this money. It almost is like you said. It's almost a mirror image of what we saw at Marvel. So oh yes, this was uh, you know back when Marvelution came round. That was the period when Marvel was owned by accountants, right? And also the period where they went bankrupt. Right, right. And as my late father-in-law used to say, the railroads never made as much money as when they were bankrupt. Right. And and so what you have now is DC saying, under the under the umbrella of COVID, which I think is the thing that makes me the most mad about it. That's so true. Yeah, they they've got this handy smokescreen that they bubbled up out of the earth. Yeah. yeah. They've got this bullshit excuse. Um, so what they did was they went and bought two. Di- they went and bought two distributors. They went and bought. They went. They went and bought much like Marvel bought Heroes World. Exactly. The parallels are insane. Yeah. And and in this case, both distributors were uh, are retailers who run a distribution network. Neither of whom I personally believe are capable. Of in much the same way, Heroes World was drastically incapable of handling the sheer volume of books, even in this day and age, that they're suddenly going to be hammered with. Right, and and, and the thing about it is with Heroes World, this is a little fun fact. With Heroes World, let's say uh, Andy's Comictorium in Mr. Ohio, Victorium's Comic and, Emporium, and and, and Cole and. Uh, Cole's collectible mm. warehouse. Yeah, are placing our Marvel orders through Heroes World. Those are all pre-packed and sent to our local distribution center to either be handed off to us in person if we're fortunate enough to have it down the street, like I would have been, or uh, shipped off to you via UPS. The Heroes World distribution people never touched a single book. Right. In their hands, you know, with their people hands. They, that's for you, Bobby. This was, I mean, it couldn't have been simpler. And they had 17 or 18 people at some distribution centers. Right. Right. 
It's it's re- it's ridiculous. And so it's going to be run by Lunar, who is an existing mail order retailer, and UCS, which is the already existing mail order wing of uh, Midtown Comics, which you know who Midtown Comics is. I don't need to say. Yeah. That. Um. So they picked these two distributors up during the COVID shutdowns said they were basically said, we can't believe that diamond can't continue to, you know, because diamond has shown us that they can't continue to do business during this. We're going to strike out on our own as a, because we're the heroes. We want to make sure this never happens again. We appreciate the retailer so much. And this is the big smokescreen. I think the the people deep in the industry, um, the comic shop owners, I should say, deep in the industry, like, um, oh, what's your name here? Uh, Mile High Comics, uh, Chuck Rosansky of Mile High Comics. Mile High Comics has been around since I was in diapers. I yes. Mean, oh, yeah. They, these are... guys have been around forever, and they boast a back-issue selection of – I think it's like over one million books yeah. available for order. It's almost the fact that um, the fact that Midtown is doing this is almost a thumb in the eye at Mile High. The same way that DC's doing this is a thumb in the eye at Diamond, because they're the exactly. juggernauts. They're they're oh, yeah. they're the two juggernauts in the comic book industry. Well, the thing is, I think we should uh, backtrack just a little bit on Marvelution. Yes. Marvelution is such a disastrous failure that Marvel comes back to Diamond with their tail between their legs. Sure, they have to. But they're, but they're proud. They're they're a proud beaten cur. And that is why I believe, if I'm not mistaken to this day, you have a separate Marvel previews. Oh, really? They, they came back, but they weren't going to let themselves be in the pages of previews. They were too. So they were, were, yeah, they were too good. There for was previews and there was Marvel previews. So you're going through alphabetically. You'd hit the point where your M's uh, then go into your N's or O's or whatever, depending on what publishers were around. And you had to go to this separate book to get to your Marvels. Yeah. Absolutely everything Marvel produced was there. And they had, I think they still had sort of a parallel minimum. But it wasn't as bad. I don't honestly remember. It's been so long ago. And, uh, you know, the post-Marvolution era was when we had a piece of the action collectible. So I was ordering my Marvel books from Marvel previews. Jeez. Thank God. If if I remember correctly, and I may be wrong here, it's been a lot of years, and I threw out all my damn uh, order books a long time ago. But I think he... At least they were goodly enough to let them all be in the same order book or order disc. Okay, well that's good. Oh my God, yeah. So, so DC announces this thing, and the world explodes. This is this. You, I cannot. If you're not in the the comic book industry or are tied to the comic book industry in some way, you cannot understand how insane. This move is especially right now. So it's just crazy. And I want to take a second to talk about um, to talk about Peter David, because Peter David makes a really interesting point. Uh, So if you don't know Peter David, Peter David is notable, a notable, not only a fiction writer, but a 
a comic book writer of note that has been writing comics for a million years. Yeah. Um, Peter David has written on uh, X-Factor. Peter David has written on Incredible Hulk. Uh, notably, an insanely good run on Aquaman. He, he was responsible for a lot of the Star Trek comic books that we know and love. I think he and, I, and even Star Trek novels, if I'm not mistaken, oh, he was yeah. also a novelist. And oh, um, he wrote he wrote my but, two favorite fantasy novels, which is uh, that that are original. No, he didn't. Original. No, he did because they weren't uh, Forgotten Realms, or no, that wasn't it. No, you're right. You're right. It was, they it, weren't it's not R.A. Salvatore. But yeah, it's not R.A. Salvatore. I don't give a rat's ass. <laughs> Tell your mom to go to hell. It's R.A. Salvatore. Or nothing. Um, it's R. A <laughs> yes. My forgotten realms and my pap's blue ribbon. No, my original. I'm going to say this: original content, meaning characters that he created, Remember, not based I'm, in an existing world. It's a show now, so I'm I'm drawing from a lot of history. I know. So there, there. He wrote a book called uh, "Apropos of Nothing" about a guy. It's a fantasy novel. Um, about a character named Apropos, um, and it is it is delightful. It is a delightful book, and he did a sequel to that book, and they are fantastic, delightful books. They are some of our favorites. But he went on Twitter and said, um, DC has just declared war on Marvel Comics. <laughs> um, and he it goes down like this. Without DC... The, the the one of the running thoughts is without DC at Diamond, Diamond has to fold. Oh yeah. If nothing else, they're going to have to scale back considerably and instantaneously. And the thing that DC is doing in sort of utilizing uh COVID as a their smokescreen excuse, um because uh, let's let's give a little history on COVID nineteen and Diamond. For a couple of months now, um, Diamond had not been distributing comics. They closed all of their warehouses. Right. So like many across the nation and across the world, a lot of people were jobless. Correct. But at least there was that promise. You know, in the years I was with Diamond, I probably saw 150, 200 people cycle through. You know, very often I just didn't even bother learning people's names in the warehouse because they came and went so fast. But there were a lot of people who stuck it out, who enjoyed our work, who could put up with the heat and exhaustion and everything else because it was actually a pretty fun place to be. And, you know, that notwithstanding, you know, here are a lot of people whose jobs were pulled out from under them by a pandemic. Right. But there was always the realization, well, Diamond's not going anywhere. Right. They're they're the juggernaut. Yeah. And suddenly DC decides because of money people. It's not DC per se, it's the people upstairs, 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 up in this giant corporate ivory tower that all, all it can see is the, the DC logo. And they know that that's something to do with money. Right. That's all they really know. And I've said it about Marvel back when we discussed Marvelution on this show, and I'll say it about DC right now, is this is an industry that does not conform to even Harvard Business School logic. 
this is an industry that will never work like the textile industry or the yes uh, you know you kitchen utensils industry or anything no yeah 100 percent. you cannot you cannot run this industry that way it's almost like the music industry in after a fashion where it's never going to run like the automotive industry <laughs> you can't exactly. you can't put those two things together no but you have these companies that own all of these other businesses and interests and such and they want comic books to act like the oil industry, you know, I work in in the veterinary medicine industry, and so many veterinary um, manufacturers, especially of say vaccines and other uh, medications and stuff, will often get bought by uh, you know uh, holdings hungry pharmaceutical companies who don't understand why the veterinary industry doesn't work like the human medical industry. Well, for one, it doesn't have it isn't. Uh, it doesn't have a giant uh, uh, human uh, insurance industry shackled to it. Right. And so it will never operate on the same volumes and levels and everything else. Um, you know, you can't get your kids into school without them being vaccinated, but you can skirt the local <laughs> rabies vaccination. Uh, standards until your dog gets picked up and you're forced to get all the vaccines done. Right. Uh, they're, they're in, you know, that's a, a, a very uh, broad apocrypha there. But the thing about it is this is an industry that doesn't operate like anything else these companies hold or held. And DC is making the same tragic mistake. But this time, there's nowhere to go. Right. Right. Diamond cannot continue to operate when they were barely, you know, they were basically paying DC what they owed them um, in sort of a promissory. Part of this is DC is taking revenge on Marvel announcing, uh, from what I've read, that they were going to pay the giant fleet of trucks full of cash that they owed DC over three payments to get themselves caught up. And DC says, oh, you know what? Uh, bye. Right. We don't like, need okay. you. Yeah. So they become the uh, Rob LeField of corporate publishing. <laughs> but let's talk for a second about what this does to the retail industry. So what happens when the last 25 years, your entire business is built around ordering, fulfilling, and selling through – one company, Diamond, then all of a sudden, 50% or probably probably 30% of your monthly stock that you have to get weekly, you have to. Mm -hmm. You, If you're in a, a comic shop, you cannot – this isn't a matter of like, oh, well, we didn't get this week's new issues. You have to have them if you want to stay in business. 40% to 30% of your month of your weekly stock that you have to get the most, I think over the last six months, the most popular books that you're going to be able to get and sell that day. And your margins are so damn slim anyway, now have to come from another source. Well, and this is coming at a time when comic shops, I, we were in Austin over uh, Memorial day weekend and I wasn't, I'm, 
so damned out of the loop, and I wasn't even thinking about the fact that comic shops haven't been receiving comics. Right. And I went to two comic shops in Austin not thinking about this, mm-hmm. and I was like, damn, it's like a ghost town. And then I realized, oh, of course, because I overheard somebody talking about how some of the comics were coming back. And, uh, you know, this was right, you know, well before, the, you know, any of this crap came down. Right. So, uh, you know, the thing about it is, okay, Diamond's employees are furloughed. Comic shops have been without comics for months. And DC is pretending like they're coming to their rescue by pulling their titles and forcing the already COVID beleaguered comic shop retailer, that's your retailer listeners, to have to treat with a second and in fact third company to get their books. Right. At a time when there's nowhere else to go. So Diamond's going to be crippled beyond repair and probably have to raise their minimums. You'll suddenly have minimums from, um, you know, you'll certainly have minimums from DC, but you also have your monthly DCs coming from one distribution company. And then you have to go through Penguin, their publishing arm, to get your trade paperbacks. Yes. Which is a whole other minimum. Yes. So essentially DC is telling everybody, well, we don't like, and I think that ultimately you shoot your ammo straight to the top because that's where this is coming from. And up at the top, I don't think they ever believed in that piece of their Warner Brothers acquisition. No. It, well, it the was current owners money. of Warner Brothers don't want DC Comics. This is a bid. Mark my words. This is a bid to destroy DC. You you think this is a bid to wreck the DC Comics? This is the. It's just like some sort of weird. Uh, if Judge Doom already owned the Red Line. <laughs> All right. He didn't have to buy it to shut it down. He already owned it. All right. All right. Um. So, but here's the other and thing. And then he sold it off to somebody else who knew nothing about running the red line so people would hate it and start driving cars so his gas stations could make a lot of money. This is what's going on. Now, something else occurred to me while I'm spitballing here. There's been talk in at least the last year or more that Marvel wants to buy DC. There has been talk, yes. There's been, there have been rumblings what, of that for what sure. What better way to open that door? Do you, so wait, do you think because this is do you Marvel think this is trying to force Marvel's hand into making an offer? Precisely then DC is back at Diamond. Everybody's happy, but hundreds of comic shops nationwide go out of business. The numbers drop. Everybody's scratching their head. What happened? Just like in Marvelution. Well, and so this is another thing I wanted to tell you, talk about. Coming from the life I lead, which is a retail life. And and Cole, coming from what what you do when you're not here, you work at a comic shop. That comic shop only gets comics from pretty much only gets comics from Diamond, right? Like every yeah. week. Well, you, the thing about it is, that, yeah, because Diamond, uh, I, I forgot to address that whole Justice Department thing back in what, what year was that again? Um, Two thousand no, nineteen ninety seven. Yeah, so back in ninety seven. Let's let's go in the wayback machine, Shaman. Uh, 
back in 97, Marvelution is declared. Heroes World takes over the distribution. Uh, Heroes World takes over the distribution of Marvel Comics. <laughs> DC and Image sign exclusivity contracts with Diamond. Are you doing a Cyborg 2 reference right now? Cyborg it, No, I'm not. In Cyborg know. 2, all of the voiceover work was done by Jack Palance. Oh, so it's more of a And it was a future Jack, And it was like a yeah, it was a future movie with like it was like a it was like a cyberpunky type thing and it really sounded like you were doing a cyborg oh two God. riff and I was no, like I was, that I is was... the weirdest deep cut if he's doing it right now that I've heard on this show maybe forever. Jack Palance narrating Marvelution in the in the style of oh. Cyborg Two. Oh my god. You know what we need to do is record me reading my article as Jack Palance. <laughs> Jack Palance. No, I was, I was channeling that uh, historian on the Civil War. Oh, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. That we guy. were doing history. So, you know, there's this exclusivity agreement. Everybody except Kitchen Sink Press jumps on board with Marvel because Dennis Kitchen signed an exclusive contract with Friendly Franks just because he's Dennis Kitchen. He's also super punk rock. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Dennis Kitchen, God bless the man. I love him. So, and of course, eventually he's on board as well. So absolutely everybody's on board with Diamond. That technically, by law, made Diamond a monopoly overnight, or right. practically overnight. So by law, and this is the thing that article that I read didn't mention, the Justice Department investigated because they were obliged to investigate. Right. And the other part of this is, let's say you're right, Cole. Before I go back to my thing, let's say you're right, and it does force Marvel's hand to make an offer to DC. They buy DC, and everybody goes back to Diamond. Guess who's the bad guy? Oh, yeah. It's not DC. No, no. It's not Marvel. Marvel. Oh, well, no. oh, yeah. Yeah, because Marvel's, Marvel's going to take over our and, – and Disney's going to Disney-fy DC. Yeah, yeah. Marvel becomes the bad guy because Marvel's stepping in to – essentially save the comic industry, but they're going to end up being the bad guy because they're trying to form a monopoly at that point. Yeah. And then they get investigated by the end. It's just, it, 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 this is a shitty move. Yeah. This is well, a it's shitty a, move. The bottom line is, is a thoughtless, short-sighted move that is very much in keeping with the world we live in today. Massive earth shattering decisions are being made without a second thought. Nobody's putting any logic or thought or anything behind. They're just acting. Well, it's it. It's even worse and this than is the, that. This is the the world that has been allowed to build, and this is what your corporate masters are going to be like. Yeah, but it's even worse than that because I think that I don't think I'm not sure you're right, but I don't think you're wrong. Yeah. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Like I think. I don't know that you're right, but it doesn't sound as far-fetched. And even if it's not, the, 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 the second thought and the first thought were how do we turn a profit on this thing that we view as a turd, that we viewed as a turd for however many, you know, however many years we've had it. And it, the margins are so thin. Why do we continue to do this? That whole, that whole situation. So like, God, but what I wanted to say was when you're that tied in, when all of your ordering, when all of your distro is tied into one company, you build your business around that one company. 
So you order through your PO, your sister, your POS system, you order your comics. Your the the POs are loaded into your POS POS system based on those orders. And you ring people out based on those orders on those barcodes that were loaded into your POS. That in turn feeds back the system into what you need to reorder. Everything is an ecosystem built around diamond. What you're doing in doing this is making make everything has a cost and everything is everything has a value. Somebody has to course correct for these new companies and in turn it's going to cost the 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 small comic shops way more money to be able to get their to even get the stock into the stores and into their inventory and sell it than it was a week and a half ago so you're just killing them on all sides here Sorry, oh, yeah. I got I soapboxed no, a little bit well, on that, but it's something well, it's, that's actually something that's pretty near and near to my heart. It's ultimately that DC's corporate ownership don't understand the industry to the degree that they don't understand how this is going to have a ripple effect. But it's not uh, you know, an outward concentric circle ripple. It's just a ripple like a damn water spout or a tornado. And it's a bottom of that cone of force and destruction is comic retail. Well, they don't care. It's not that they don't know. They choose not to know. They don't care. You know, this is, this is management by spreadsheet 101. You know, column X needs to be where column Y is. And if it's not, we're going to figure out how to get it there one way or another. And this is how they've chosen to do it. Uh, All right. Well, do you have any, let's, let's start wrapping this up. It's your favorite your favorite sentence. We got to start wrapping this up, Cole. Yeah, well, are we getting coming up on it? I think was the yeah, time. we're coming up on it, Cole. I I think in closing, the important thing, and I I don't want to seem self-aggrandizing, but I hope that if this particular issue of the show, uh, which by the way we didn't mention, I mean you've probably seen the title, is a cheap shot as a reference to uh, the shot heard around the comic industry. Um. I hope that this helps to educate beyond a few sentences here and there in a greater article where they talk to, you know, where people talk up the pros, the cons, the insanity of it all. And that perhaps perceptions have been changed about Diamond and Diamond's role in this. Because, you know, granted, they were my employer for many, many, like seven years. And uh, the bulk of those full time, um, and I, I had an amazing time there. And I know a lot of people who are still with Diamond who are going to be greatly affected by all of this. But all of that, let's just shed all of that, jettison every bit of anything about me personally. I want people to know that there's more to, well, Diamond's just this big faceless monopoly. They didn't start out that way. They didn't intend to be. Right. But after Marvolution, the damage was done. And back in the you know prior to 2000, you could blame all. You could lay all the blame at the feet of Marvel Comics. And I think this is the legacy of Marvolution. So in a way, Marvel is still to blame. So they deserve a bit of that. If my prediction should bear fruit, they deserve a bit of vitriol. Right. Because those ripples are still being felt. But 
DC and whatever the hell company owns Warner are the real villain here. And no, DC did not come in and, and best the evil giant that was Diamond. Right. Because Diamond never sought. It wasn't like, you know, um, you know, Boss Mecklehenny, he just wants to run this whole state. It wasn't like that. No. No. Diamond was just trying to keep the uh, the trains running on time. Exactly. They just happened to be the biggest retailer at a time that Marvel hamstrung the industry. Right. All right. All right. Whoo! That was a lot to get out. Oh, I guess, and, and finally, um, I guess I, I just want to say if, if you learn something, if you feel like you've been educated, please spread the word about this issue because it's one of our most important ever. And, of course, uh, always feel free to look up uh, Jelly Cole, Hey Kids Comics, back issue bins, plural, and check out the, the boxes of our back issues that I need to start filling in that last box because I'm way behind. Well, there, this, this just pushes us to the very end of the seventh box. So I will have to open the eighth box soon. Well, and I think that it's important to know this stuff because of the fact that you're going to hear how evil Diamond is. You're going to hear about Oh, yes. how bad Diamond is, how evil Diamond is, you know, what 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 they do as a big corporation and and, you know, understand that the position that they're in wasn't the result of negligence on their part at all. And and that well, I'm not going to say at all. They they are a business. I'm sure that they they know. Oh, yeah, they had and, certain dealings that were well, and, and in the last 20 years or more, they're. A lot of things have changed at Diamond. When I was a retailer, they were starting to piss me off so, right. uh, with some of their policies. And I can imagine it just got worse. So they're not, you know, completely blameless, but they're not this giant machine that came in and was the Walmart of comic distribution and, and killed small town Bubba Joe's distribution center right warner no, brothers no, isn't no. the little guy what yeah exactly warner brothers is never the little guy warner brothers is like uh some conjoined twin of this hideous giant that you know runs roughshod over the world right don't forget what warner brothers did to the justice league that's all i'm gonna say oh. when when all this goes down don't forget how mad you were at warner brothers when uh, Suicide Squad came out, or with you know, don't don't let that go. Keep that in mind. All right, Cole, plug us up. We're gonna get out of here. All right. Well, we're coming to you from the Jedi Cole universe at JediCole.com, um, and we I'm just really amazed. 350 issues of the show, plus specials, plus annuals, plus God knows what else, plus 10 issues of the live show. It's just yeah. been an amazing. I, we honestly, if you go back and listen to the early episodes, we didn't imagine for a second. We God, no. <laughs> God, no. So there's really not much else. I, I still run or still have um, Convention Awareness Project Texas. I've not been utilizing it lately. Um, a lot of reasons. Uh, the loss of Alcon in March was a tremendous blow. And then it became, I don't know, it just felt like why bother to list conventions that are all going to have to get canceled and right. I, and as I'm starting to pull myself out of that funk then the uh, projected uh, July Alcon gets canceled, gets canceled yeah. because the hotel is closing 
Right. Well, and and we'll get back to we'll get back to um, we'll get back to you know that kind of that kind of life soon enough. I I I, I believe that to be a truism. So. Yeah, they'll they'll be back. I'm I'm trying. In fact, uh, as we uh, present this on Friday, the the following day, there's a little toy show there you go. that I want to want to try to go to. And then I noticed uh, a convention was announced elsewhere in the state uh, in October, so I'm gonna force myself to start up the listings again, ideally this weekend. Nice, nice. And you can always find us at HK Comic Show, um, all over the internet. Um, Cole, this has been great. I'm glad we got a chance to talk about uh, Marvolution a little more. I'll always, I'll always want to make time to do that. Um, it's such an interesting topic, and it's so important, especially now. Um, well, with all it's the changes kinda, in the world, you know. Absolutely, and it was kind of funny that, you know, the, the whole DC thing comes up, and the more my ire got up, and the more I read about it, and the more I realized the parallels to Marvolution, and the more I realized that diamond was being largely vilified. Um, I think they don't deserve the level of vitriol they're receiving because there's a lot of misinterpretation and a lot of people just point to uh, monopoly, monopoly, monopoly. Right. Without knowing the history. Uh, And that's why I really felt we needed to educate. And this was just going to be a, uh, this was going to be like kind of a little like intro thing. We're like the beginning of the show. Yeah. Before we get started, I really need to talk about this. And the more I thought about, no, we need to do a full issue. Yeah. And, and in, in the world we live in where you can't trust anything that you read, um, just make sure that you're, that you understand that there are, there, there is beyond a shadow of a doubt, two sides to this story. And, you know, make sure you study up on both sides because, you're going to hear some things that I guarantee you are not accurate. Yeah. So, all right. Well, Cole, um, I'm going to say it. Say it. Keep spreading that four color love. Damn it. Yeah. Buy, collect, enjoy your comics. Um, however you can at this point. And, um, we'll be back next week with issue three fifty one. We made it past another hump, Cole. We did indeed. We just keep, Humping along. Keep humping along. Just just dry humping. Just getting getting blood from that stone by dry humping it. Uh, that's, right. a, that's an awful metaphor, but I'm going to stand by it. All right, Cole, say goodnight. Good night, everybody. Good, good night, night. Fannies. Good night, Fannies. Yeah, Cole. Yeah.